Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11. If you didn't bring a Bible with you and you want to follow along with us, there's some Bibles on the case back at the back door. Feel free to get up and go back there to get one so you can follow along. So we have been talking for several weeks about, uh, about the special study, spiritual emphasis we're going to be doing this fall, and uh, we are, today is the launch day. We're going to be studying about prayer. What does God want to say to us about prayer? How does He want to work in our lives through prayer? So one day, the disciples were, were watching Jesus. They had lived with Him now for, for quite a few months. They had paid attention to all He was doing. They were learning how to have a life that was like His. And they were watching Jesus praying. Jesus didn't pray the way they were used to. Have you ever, have you ever when, when you were praying, maybe it was in a small group, maybe it was at church, maybe it was a Sunday school class, somebody prayed and instead of you saying your own prayer, that is what's supposed to happen, you know. It's not, when we have someone lead us in prayer, it's not like we stand there and they do the work. We're all praying. They're leading us. You, you understand that, right? So we're all praying together. But have you ever stopped praying because just the way this person prayed, it got your attention. Maybe it was they were talking to God like they really knew Him. Or that they had this very close relationship with Him. Like He was their friend. They were talking to Him confidently. Well, that's the way Jesus prayed. And so, the disciples, they knew about praying. They had heard about praying. They had been taught as children how to pray. Now, we know that in, in their culture, they were taught to pray certain prayers. They had memorized kinds of prayers. We don't know how it was that they prayed, whether they just repeated memorized prayers or they spoke to God out of their hearts about their own needs. We don't know exactly how they did it, but they knew. They knew that Jesus prayed differently. And so let us read. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When He finished, one of the disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught His disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, 
Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Nothing is more important, nothing is more powerful than prayer when it comes to knowing God. Mark Batterson, the man who wrote the books that we'll be reading together, the one who is the teacher in our small group videos that we're going to be watching together, he said this, prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It is the difference between the possible and the impossible. It is the difference between intimacy and ignorance. It is the difference between fear and faith, between success and failure. It is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do, and there is a big difference between those two things. So, How many of you, thinking back over 2018 to this point, would say, as I assess the way I've spent my time, I must say, I have spent too much time praying? Does anyone here feel that your prayers are just way too powerful? Nobody. Well, we're going to be learning about prayer. We're going to be learning about how important it is. Day one of our 40 days is next Sunday, October the 14th. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Why are we talking about prayer? Let's do something that is more productive. Some of you are thinking, I'm just too busy to pray. Or, I feel foolish praying. I don't know that anybody's listening. It doesn't feel like it. And sermons about prayer, they just make me feel deficient. Well, I want you to know, we're all learners when it comes to prayer. No one here, I don't think there's anyone here who says, well, I've got it all figured out. Prayer really is a very easy thing, and you already know how to do it. 
because prayer is talking to a friend. And I've watched most of you, and I know that most of you have no trouble talking to a friend at all. That's why the disciples were attracted to Jesus' prayers, the intimacy, the, the attitude Jesus had. It was a time of, of love and of exchange. It wasn't just a time of ask, ask, ask. It was a time of talking over the events of life and listening to what is the Father's will. So over these 40 days, we're all going to be working together to learn about prayer. I want you to know, prayer changes things. I was thinking, so I wanted to share a story or two about prayer changing things, and I began to write down, I've got, I've got way too many, and they are interesting stories. You might like to hear them all, but we're not going to take time this morning to, for them all. And I don't know which of the ones I've written down I'm going to tell you yet either. So we'll see which ones it is. But the first one I'm going to tell you is about a friend of mine. I'll call her Sarah. Sarah lived across the street from the first church where I was a pastor. Those poor people got me not knowing much at all for their pastor. And sometimes I feel sorry for you too. Someone in the church had gone across the street to the apartment complex and had put an invitation to come to the church on the bulletin board in the laundry room. And Sarah saw it. So she came. Sarah always looked like she lived inside a very dark cloud. She never would look at you. Her head was always down. She wouldn't speak very loudly. She was a very troubled, very sad woman. One day, Karen and I got a phone call from her. She said, my husband is drunk and he's being violent. Would you come over? Now, honestly, maybe she should have called the police, but she called us. And maybe we should have called the police, but we went over. So Karen sat with Sarah in the front room, in the living room, and I went with her husband back into the back room in the apartment where we talked, but I don't know if he even remembered the next day that I was there because he was pretty well out of it. While Karen and Sarah were talking, Sarah said to her in the midst of all of her tears, I killed somebody. Karen told me, the first thing that went through my mind was, am I the only person who knows this? Sarah went on to, to talk about uh, the fact that she had served, she had, she had served time. Um, her, she had had a violent, abusive boyfriend in the past, and once to protect herself, she had grabbed something sharp and had stabbed him, and he had died. But she was plagued by the guilt and the shame and the horror of what she had done. So she and Karen prayed together. 
And after a little while, when, when Sarah felt like things were okay enough, we left and went home. The next Sunday, the next Sunday, when Sarah came to church, she looked very different. For she had prayed and confessed her sin, and she had been liberated by God from the great burden of guilt that she carried. She looked like a completely different person. Her face glowed. She looked at everyone right in the face. She was a different woman because Jesus had transformed her life. In 2008, we were building a building. Do you remember that? Some of you do, some of you don't. We were building the, the, the uh, discipleship building out here. We got it started in the early fall. We had been giving and saving money for, for years, and the time had come, and so we were all excited about building that building. And then do you remember what happened in October of 2008? The stock market dropped by 50%, and we went into that lovely recession. And people didn't feel like they could give as much as they had been giving. And we had all kinds of bills coming in that had to be paid, and we didn't have the money as a church to pay them all. And I'm feeling like we're, we're in a mess and I don't know what to do about it. The church board, the staff, and I, we were all praying and asking God, do something. We have no idea what, what's going to happen here. And so we were praying and in January of 2009, a woman who doesn't attend our church, didn't attend our church, called me up and said, I have some money and I don't want to put it in, it just came out of some investments and I don't want to put it in the stock market right now because I don't know what's going to happen. So, I want to, to loan this money to the church so the church can have it and can pay me back at a very low interest rate. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but I should have because we'd been asking God to do something, you know? But I was just astonished. God took care of it all. We didn't even go ask her for it. She called us. And she wanted to help the church. And it's not even her church. That was an amazing thing. And those are just two stories I could tell you. I could tell you a whole bunch more stories, but I'm not going to do that. The point is, when we pray and ask God for help and say, Lord, have mercy on us, He does. He does. He responds to our prayers. Not always the way we want Him to, 
but he's a loving father, and he always does what is good for us. So we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be seeing what Jesus had to teach us about prayer in these coming 40 days. And so I'm asking you to make some commitments for the 40 days. First, I want you to commit to pray every day for 40 days. Now, I'm not talking about the stoplight prayers or the praying before you have a meal. I know many of you do that, and that's your prayer for the day. I'm talking about something different. Those things are good. Keep doing that. I'm talking about setting time aside from your day every day to pray, to talk to God, to talk to God about your life or about whatever it seems you should talk to Him about. Now, how long am I talking about? Well, I'm not going to tell you a time. Some of you, I know, you will pray for an hour or more a day. You'll just set that aside. I know some of you will do that. But some of you who say, I'm too busy to pray, some of you who haven't been praying, if you set aside three minutes a day, that will be significant. And that's a good place to start if this is something that's starting for you. But you just listen to the Spirit of God and set aside whatever amount of time He says, this is how much time I want you to spend praying with me today. But every day for 40 days, next Sunday's day one, I give you a whole week to gear up to it, all right? So that's number one. The second thing is, we have a book, it's out in the foyer, a book that has something to read about prayer, and there are 40 days worth of something to read. It's got 40 chapters. They're not long chapters. They're short. They're easy to read, and and the, the writer is very interesting. So I encourage you, pray every day, read every day. I encourage you to be here to experience every weekend to be taught about prayer. There's going to be teaching about prayer, not just in the sermon, but in the services. And I want you to be a part of that. Some of you are thinking, that'll never happen, Pastor. You're lucky to get me here twice a month. I know I'm lucky to get you here twice a month. I'm very aware. But I'm asking for these 40 days to say it's going to be different. These 40 days will be different. This is so important to learn to pray and to to learn to have this relationship with God that I'm going to make the choice to be here for the 40 days and Grandma can wait till Thanksgiving and I'll see her then. If you want to tell Grandma, that's what the pastor said, you can give her my phone number too and she can call and complain. That's okay. But this is important. This is important. And I want to encourage you to be a part of a small group, study group. What we do here in the services is going to be important, but there's a whole lot more that's going to be happening. And we can't put everything in the service, so we're going to be, we're going to be watching a video teaching in all of our small groups uh, during the 40 days. Actually, they don't even last 40 days. There's only five of them, so it's only five weeks. And so we invite you to be a part of one of those. They're all listed out in the foyer on a table. You can find one and sign up. Now, some of you say, there's no way I'm going to a small group. 
how squirrely. I'm not going to do that. Or you may say, there is no way, I'm just too busy. I can't do that. Or I've got kids, I don't have anything to do with my kids. What can I do? Well, one thing, there are some groups that meet on Sunday mornings, so you can, you can have your kids go to, to Sunday school, and you can go to small group if you want to do that. But I, I really hope it's only for five sessions. I'm not asking you to do this for the rest of your life, though I think it might be a good thing. But only for five times to become a part of a small group. Now, this is so important. Here's what I will do if you say there is absolutely no way I can be in a small group. If you will commit yourself to watch the five lessons and get somebody else, maybe it's someone you work with, maybe it's a neighbor, you get somebody else to watch it with you. I'll get a DVD set for you. Don't worry, Wendy. I said I'd do it. You don't have to pay for it. Wendy's our discipleship director. I'll take care of it. So I'll do that for you. If you say there's absolutely no way I can be in a small group. If you'll, and I'm not, I don't want you to just do it all by yourself. You need to do it with somebody. So if you have somebody who, and you say, I'll do it with, I'll get them and they'll do it with me, I will do that for you. But you have to come tell me, okay? You have to come tell me because I won't know. So you come do that. This is very important. And then the last thing is I want to invite you to begin praying now through this week. Lord, what do you want my main prayer focus to be for the 40 days. What do you really want me to pray about? Now, there's some things that you want to pray about. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. There's some things you want to pray about, but, but I want you to ask him, what is supposed to be the focus of these 40 days for me as I talk with you? So, The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them a model prayer. Let us right now join together in saying the prayer, in praying the prayer that Christ our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.